0: It's the TEH podcast episode 101. I'm Leo Notenboom of askleo.com and I'm Gary Rosenzweig of macmost.com. 101. So did you get the reference Gary? You probably didn't. I it, made a re- No,
1: I I didn't, but a quick I, you know I was I did a Google search.
0: Yeah, so for those wondering what I'm talking about, I made a comment to uh, to Gary earlier about something being a silly millimeter longer. And for those of you that understand, you'll understand. And for those of you that don't, remind me by the end of the show, I'm just going to keep everybody in suspense until then. Uh, so yes, last week was episode 100. If you haven't seen the video, there is a video. We had a good time. It actually turned out really well. We had lots to talk about, one of which was uh, the SpaceX launch, which we were all very nervous about, and today we're all very relieved about it. Went off Indeed. wonderfully. Uh, I ended up uh, streaming it, of course. I- I've-, I've noted various Stages of my life have been marked by, you know, news events, of course. But one of the things I've noticed is that the way that they get delivered is also like one of the milestones along the way. For example, um, obviously, you know, the moon landing for me, black and white TV. Um, uh, Let's see, uh, 9-11 for me uh, was CNN and, and cable TV. Uh, uh, Princess Diana was, uh, uh, I think, the first one that I learned of on the internet, right? And this is the first one where we've just watched the whole thing streaming from yeah. multiple sources. And we just sort of hung on to the SpaceX slash NASA feed almost all day, both uh, launch day and the day after when we got to watch them um, uh, hook up with the International Space Station. So that was all pretty cool. How about you?
1: Yeah, it was definitely cool. The uh, um, you know the, it, we're so used to seeing Falcon Nine launches now, with, with the, which are you know a bit more grandiose than a or not Falcon Falcon Heavy, and this is a Falcon Nine. Right. So you know you sort of have that little like uh, you know it's like oh it's not as big imposing <laughs> of a rocket a, a, and a launch as I expected because we've seen a lot of Falcon Heavies, but it's still a bunch more momentous in terms of what it means. Right. Um, and also, it seemed at least on the ground, maybe it's maybe it's not so much the rocket itself, but the equipment. You know, you see the Apollo, uh, Saturn V launches so many times. The last time we saw rockets like this with people on board take off in the United States, mm-hmm. and even the shuttle launches too, with you know those, those solid rocket boosters and massive main engines and everything. The it's like you know everything just it's like everything shakes and it's very you know powerful. I, I suspect it's a maybe partially because it, the Falcon 9 is a little smoother than that, but also because our technology is probably a lot better. Right. Uh, the cameras are much smoother and just feeding the, you know, high definition image to our TVs and th- they probably don't sh- you know, feel the ground shake as much and all that. So.
0: The fact that we had live video in the cockpit throughout was just yes. awesome, you know, to watch them yeah. doing their thing. And, um, and I have to admit, watching the, um, the booster uh, also stick the landing. Um, yeah, on its on its way down, it was just icing on the cake. Especially since they've done they did that out on the uh, the drone ship, just because that's been um, I don't want to say problematic, but if there's going to be a failure, that seems to be where they've had failures catching.
1: Right, up. and the weather wasn't great there with with uh, the the ship out there either. Right, and you can right. see the seas were a bit choppy, and there was rain on the on the lens of the camera and everything. So I
0: saw an interesting explanation of why. Um, on the drone ship specifically, the camera always, and I mean always cuts out right huh. before it touches down, like the most important part of the shot, the camera yeah. cuts out. <clears throat> and the reason's actually pretty simple, actually kind of goes back to what you're saying about vibration. Um, the, the ship has a, a transmitter lock on a satellite that it's sending its video feed to. And as the uh, rocket is landing, there's so much vibration and movement uh, that it can't compensate for quickly enough that it loses that lock. So it's not until things settle down again and it can reestablish the transmitter lock on the satellite that the video starts to, to resume. The good news is, of course, that they're also recording it on the ship yeah. at the same time. So we did, in fact, get to see the whole thing. We just couldn't see it in real time.
1: Right. Yeah. I noticed that, that they were able to get, so it must have a a way that they retransmit that recording, right, right, uh, shortly afterwards. Uh, yeah. But that was that was great to see that. And you know, the the weird thing was the next morning uh, for the uh, docking was instead of the launch, you have a countdown. I mean, you can you could glance over and say, oh, it's thirty minutes. Oh, it's you know seven minutes. You know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But the the crew entering the space station, you're you're watching there, and it's like is it going to happen in the next 30 seconds or is it going to yet? be two hours different? from
0: now? Are we there yet? Are we there we yet? We don't,
1: we don't know. <laughs> you know, it's like, so you glance away from the TV and it's like, well, uh, you know, cause you just don't, you don't have, there's no cl- countdown clock right. for when it's going to happen. So you, you're pretty much, I think I was watching for like two hours. Right to if before finally it was oh good finally they're they've opened the hatch and they're on board and when they open the hatch and they're like well we'll be there in a minute i'm like no get out here now we have i waiting two hours i i what i thought
0: was really cute was that they um i think it was one or both of them i don't know if they collaborated on this say they, they sent that little inflatable dinosaur
1: oh no just, i didn't see,
0: see that? that so there's a little inflatable dinosaur toy it's on a yeah. it's on a bit of uh um Ribbon or something like that, and they had that out while they were in ascent. You know, at some point after the after all the the uh, um, the rat, you know the stuff was done and they were basically coasting for a while. They brought it out. And it was for their sons, right? It, it's you uh-huh. know kind of to acknowledge that they both have sons who are really interested, and it was theirs. Um, I wanted the dinosaur to go through first. I wanted it <laughs> to be the one that went from dragon to to the space station. Yeah, but, but apparently they they left it behind. So. But yeah, no, that was really cool. I was very impressed, top to bottom. What I still don't know, and and it, I haven't really looked for it. I don't know when they're coming back. I don't know when Dragon itself. Is I think it's a back. two. Supposed to be two weeks. Okay,
1: it's what I. I think I heard that because this is still all demo two. It's a test, right? right? So it's not you know it's not like the kind of thing where they're relieving somebody, you know, and now one or both of them is doing like several months stint there. They're just visiting for two weeks, right? And then they're testing the. Dragon capsule coming back home. Um, So, you know, a little different than a normal ISS mission, but they do say that during those two weeks, they'll be doing normal ISS stuff. Right. So, well, um, and of
0: course, it's not a full resupply mission, but they brought stuff with them and they'll be taking stuff back. I mean, they'll be taking out the garbage, I'm sure. Uh, (laughs) I mean, that's, you know, I mean, that's gotta be one of the huge problems up there is you've got, you know, getting stuff so that you stay fed, but then you've also got, you know, Stuff that needs to go back needs to get disposed well, of, and well, you don't just it, don't just chuck it out the door.
1: You don't. I thought you did.
0: No, that becomes a um, um, another. What's the? Oh gosh, there's an acronym for this, but there's all this stuff floating in orbit.
1: I thought there was a way of of chuck See, Randy would know, but I thought there was a way of chucking it out that it wouldn't stay in orbit. You know, if you if you if you eject it in the right way in the right direction, it burns up. It'll the way down. basically burn up. Pretty quick, it, you know. Yeah. Um, I thought that's what they did. Now there might st- still be things they need to bring back, experiments and, sure, sure, and sure. items and things like that that they want to have back here on Earth. But uh, but I thought the actual, you know, empty McDonald's wrappers and things like that, oh. <laughs> that just get burnt <laughs> up. <laughs> yeah. So.
0: Oh, so space will end up looking pretty much like the streets. Lovely. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, speaking of interesting technology changes, I was having a, a bit of a discussion with my wife earlier today, and I, I noticed a couple of things. She had um, basically spoken to a doctor about a couple of things, and one of the things they did was uh, take a picture and, you know, send in the picture rather than going in for a, uh, any kind of an exam, and what I thought was interesting because this actually dovetailed with a discussion I was having with not one of the nonprofits I uh, volunteer for, and that is they were looking at payment solutions. And I trust me, these relate. They were looking at payment solutions because they needed to be able to, when we can finally all get together again, have some in-person, um, you know, card, um, you know, card transaction type stuff when they're selling their merchandise. Now, in the past, they've used uh, I think it's. Uh, not swipe, but the other one. Um, anyway, there's a, 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 a vendor that basically you get a little dongle, you connect it to your phone and, and off it goes. And as it turns out, PayPal has them as well. And I was looking at the PayPal offerings and they have uh, one that not only does the normal magnetic card reader, but they have one that will do um, chip, of course. And another one that then also does tap. Which presumably would enable Apple Pay and Google Pay. Now, the reason that all came to mind, and the reason that it was all I re- was reminded of this by my wife's experience with Doc, was simply that we are changing society, both in some large but also some very subtle ways. Uh, I know that a lot of of, uh, workplaces are getting used to this whole work from home thing. I mean, it seems like it could be a solution for a lot of things that could stick after the whole pandemic is over. Uh, But it's also the case where, okay, you know what? Maybe we don't always need to go in to see the doctor. Maybe sending a picture via email is the right thing to do. Or maybe you know, more people who've been reluctant to play with contactless payment systems have now been... want to say forced. I don't even want to say encouraged. I just want to say gently prodded maybe to investigate some of these contactless payment systems like Apple Pay and Google Pay so that as we exit the pandemic, which I'm assuming at some point we will, um, it will be interesting to see what of these little societal changes will persist uh after um after all is said and done i think a lot of them are very interesting very good very positive whether they will be long-term um changes that have dramatic impact on us i don't know but i think there'll be a lot of small ones what do you think
1: yeah no i definitely we're seeing some of that um it's hard for them to keep up because you know at the same time as trying to make these changes things are kind of difficult. It's kind of a difficult time to make change. Like you're being forced to make change, but it's also a bad time to make change. Like the local restaurants are trying hard to just, can we just open with a few tables and have people come, uh, you know, let's not add to that the problem of changing our payment system at the same time.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yes. And I've had that. In yeah. um, fact, yesterday we drove through a local, uh, a fast food place on the way back from somewhere. And uh, I asked on the way through, you know, do you take Google pay? Cause I just wanted to tap my phone at them rather than hand them something physically. And while they had adapted to doing fast food, you know, drive through only, um, mm. yeah, they, they, they're a large chain. They're not going to change all their payment systems, you know, that quickly by any stretch.
1: Yeah, I went. Actually, the last few weeks, one of the things my wife and I started doing on a regular, uh, like a weekly basis was we decided we were going to go out for dinner. Yep. And by that, what we meant is go through a drive through and eat in the parking lot. But it actually, <laughs> but it actually was kind of like the first time we did it, we were doing it to kind of be funny and ironic and all of that. But it actually turned out to be really pleasant. Like we went through the drive through uh, you know, and we pulled and you know, we pulled to a parking spot that it was on a main strip, in, you know, here in Denver. And, and, and then, uh, you know, it was kind of a nice, like we got out of the house, we ordered food, we ate in the car, we had a conversation, we didn't feel rushed. And it was, so then we ended up doing it a few more times and going through these drive throughs. It's interesting, the variety, because like one of them, um, it, 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 one of them had a screen that it's kind of what I expect now. Like I order, I, I say, Oh, I want this. And whatever I say appears on the screen, yes. you know, you know, you you know, they heard you because yes. you say medium Coke, it says medium Coke on the screen and you, everything is there. And you can look at it as you're ordering it. I love it. Cause then when, and then the total appears and I know they got my order, right. And I know exactly how much it is. Cause I saw it on the screen, not just heard like a muffled sound. Um, and that's great. And that's how I expect it to be today. Uh, we went to another drive through at a major fast food chain, and I remarked afterwards that it could have been 1970. <laughs> it, there, I mean, I was like, you know, there was no screen, there was just a speaker, and now, really, there was no change in the technology at all from 1970.
0: Could you at least understand the person at the other end?
1: Uh, yeah, uh, You know, <laughs> I wasn't, I, I was not 100% at the end of the, uh, you know, when we went up that I was going to get what I want. I was fairly short. It seemed, we had a straightforward order. But I was like, wow, there's two totally different, I mean, they should have the same business model, the same overhead, the same everything. Right? Uh, but these two different chains, or maybe it's just those franchises and I shouldn't, you know, apply it to the whole chain. Every franchise is a little different, but you know, it's like a little different. Uh, it, I don't know. I remember when I first saw the kind of automatic uh, fast food stuff in Europe. You know, and you would go to, say, a McDonald's or something, and you could just go up to a touchscreen and you order there. And that was ten years ago. Right. When I saw it, and, and back then you would never see that in the United States. Now, sometimes. There are sometimes few. Yeah. And of
0: course, we all have to back away from it now because, of course, you can't touch the same thing. (laughs) Well,
1: yeah. I mean, the thing about touch is that like a touchscreen is – I'd almost rather (laughs) – myself, I'd almost rather touch a screen – uh, you know, a, a minimum amount of times to make an order than actually go and stand like three feet away from somebody and talk to them for five minutes about, or not five minutes, probably like one right. minute. Right. right make right. my order. I think that's that could actually be uh, the safer thing to do to touch the screen, especially since all I've done is touch the screen. I can now sanitize my hand right. and I'm done. Um, or maybe not even touch the screen at all. I have, and sometimes I remember to carry with me a little pen that uh, it, when you retract the point, it oh, is like, right. It's a touch thing. So I could use that uh, to touch the screen. And I know other people will do various things like uh, bring out a car key or something like that and touch with that. If, you know, it conducts the.
0: It's funny. My, my Instagram feed, I think it is, is full of advertisements for um, devices, basically. Yeah. Little key key sized things that are designed to uh, push buttons, pull knobs, Open doors, uh, all without you having to actually physically touch whatever it is you're interacting with.
1: Yeah, and you know, I like uh, I, when I go for walks, and I was on a walk this afternoon. I, you know, it's typical for me; it's not a new thing for me to actually use my elbow or the side of my arm to actually hit the the walk button. Oh, <laughs> uh, now I just feel less weird about it. <laughs> you know like before maybe yep, yep, you know yep. i would i would walk up and kind of discreetly just you know bump the uh, the walk button with my arm and uh, did anybody see me do that are they going to think i'm like a germaphobe or something like that for doing that now i could proudly walk up to it Every, you know everybody so, could be so looking straight at me and i could hit it
0: i'm not trying to 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 make to make an odd point here but when you do that do you have to bend over
1: oh because uh like their wheelchair height
0: no, no, Is no, no. No.
1: Oh, you because you're tall and I'm short. I,
0: I, I wouldn't <laughs> even think about using my elbow, right? Because it's way, way far away <laughs> from the button.
1: <laughs> I guess. I mean, I I guess if I if I needed no, I think you probably could hit, hit with the side of your wrist. I would that, which I've which I've absolutely done. Sure, yeah, yeah. sure That yeah, kind of so stuff. So you're are. you're still just kind of bumping into. Right. And in the, fact,
0: if if I were faced with that today, if I were wearing a jacket, I would like pull the sleeve down over my hand or something and, and do <laughs> that. But yeah. But, um, but yeah. Interesting. Uh, so anyway, I just like I said, I just think it's interesting to see where where things will end. The other thought that I had, and I don't know that we've really got the data to make this comparison, but and once again, there were so many other things going on at the time, but I keep we keep comparing our current pandemic to the 1918 Spanish flu. Hmm. And I wonder, were there lasting societal changes um, in, you know, small to large that were a direct result of how people were coping with the flu. And I certainly can't look back and say, you know, this and that was Um, there were, I think There's the uh, um, one theory that the roaring 20s were kind of like a reaction to the flu being quote-unquote over. Uh, Don't know, right? But were there things that they did differently during the flu that lasted? Uh, There will definitely be things we're doing differently now that will last. And some of them are actually opening our eyes, both, um, like I said earlier, workforces being open to, hey, this whole work from home thing actually could work in some situations to um, people who've been resisting various technological solutions now being, like you said, they're forced to. It's certainly not the best time to be forced into these changes, but because they are being forced into these changes, maybe they'll be a little bit more accepting of them long-term. Anyway, interesting stuff.
1: Yeah, I wonder. I wonder what things we took for granted before had come about because of 1918. Um, for instance, mm-hmm. if you remember six months ago, you know, whole other world, six months ago, no. I mean, there was a general idea that, you know, if somebody had the flu, oh, stay away from me, you know? Oh, don't, you know, uh, if a family member had the flu, maybe it's like, oh, I'll hold off on the kiss on the cheek or the hug right right, right. now because you're not feeling good, you know, that kind of thing. Just some general stuff like that, kind of anti-germ stuff, you know, even just, the general idea of washing your hands more often. I don't know. Maybe some of that actually dates back to 1918. It's possible. You know, we just don't realize that's when the change was. Um, I'm surprised. You know, I, of course I always know that, you know, at some point in history, not that long ago, you know, they did really stupid things compared to what we know now. Like for instance, surgeons not even bothering to wash their hands. Yes. Why would they? You know, there was no, no, nobody had said, wash your hands before opening somebody up and digging into their organs. Um, but, you know, <laughs> there there were a lot of things that, uh, you know, about germs and, and things being contagious, and diseases and all that, that just didn't make sense to our world today. And I'm surprised to see, you know, all these pictures people pass around of uh, during the the 1918 flu, people wearing masks, people being told not to congregate, you know, general advice that i was honestly not sure that they knew to do in in 1918, but apparently they did.
0: Apparently they did. Yep. And of course, just like today, there's there was resistance then too, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is one of the one of the things that uh, folks are saying. Well, you know what? They did the resistance thing, and they had a second spike, and maybe that's going to happen this time. We don't know, but of course, that's you know, it, it seems like much of what we're Treating as a new experience now, which, of course, is new for all of us, um, is not necessarily quite as new as we think it is.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. it be interesting to see. I'm sure somebody's going to write a book about this. A
0: comparison. And, uh, yeah. That would, yeah be comparison actually, that would be really
1: and, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, And we could see. Yeah, And it'll probably include lots of interesting things about Back then, that suddenly is an interesting topic. I'm sure, like uh, last year, it's like, "Hey, would you like to read a book about the 1918 uh, flu pandemic?" Uh, no thanks. <laughs> I'll read the new th- thrilling novel or whatever. And now suddenly, there's a bunch of people that'd be like, "Yes, I would like to read that." book. Maybe we can learn from history. Ah, yeah.
0: Anyway, so uh, to move on, I do want to throw out a, a I'll call it a cautionary tale. Um, for folks, my, um, last week, I think it was the week before my uninterruptible power supply. Uh, do you use one?
1: Oh, uh, yeah, certainly. And I oh, tell okay. everybody to use one. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. So my uninterruptible power supply became an interrupting power supply, yep. which is, um, actually not ideal. What I didn't realize, uh, so I've since replaced it. I have a new one. I actually got some feedback from some folks in uh, one of my uh, my Microsoft old farts group that... Um, <laughs> basically said, yeah, you know, the brand, this, this brand, I've had a bunch of them. They've, their failure rate is really high. And of course that was the brand I was using. So I've now switched to the brand that uh, seems to be a little bit more expensive, but seems to have a better reputation as well. Um, APC is the new one, um, and, uh, replaced it and things are working fine. And what happened, what, what I, what I learned shortly after installing this thing because what, so what would happen with the old one uh, is I would print and my machine would reboot, uh, which clearly indicates that, yep, printing caused a power spike that the uninterruptible power supply didn't recover from. It should it should not have let the voltage drop. That's the whole point. Uh, and I ended up with the new one installed and printed something and no, the machine didn't reboot, but man, did the power supply complain. It was beeping like crazy. It was really having to work really, really hard to, uh, to let me know that uh, things weren't right. So I thought, you know, this is odd. This shouldn't, I mean, I should be able to print uh, with, uh, with the power supply, with the uninterruptible power supply, you know, serving everybody and as it turns out, the answer is actually no. The printer, uh, most laser printers in specifically, have such a high power draw that for the model, I think I've got like a, a 1500 watt um, Power or uninterruptible power supply. For the model I have, it is not recommended and, in fact, disrecommended that you plug your printer into the power supply as well, even as a surge protector, right? I wasn't trying to run the printer off battery. That's fine. I don't care about that. But I had it plugged into the side that is just surge protection. And they strongly <laughs> recommend, as it turns out, that you take your printer. And plug it into uh, not just the wall, but maybe you want a different circuit because the printer will draw so much power so quickly, especially in startup, that uh, the power supply simply can't cope. It's not guaranteed to cope with that kind of stuff. Unless, of course, you're willing to uh, invest a fair amount more in a much larger version of the power supply that's designed for that kind of power drop. So I wanted to throw that out there for people to just let them know that, um, you know, your printer may not be something you want plugged into your power supply, uh, into your uninterruptible power supply, and that uh, once you take it off the uninterruptible power supply, uh, everybody's much happier. Um, including uh, not just your computer that's not rebooting randomly, but the power supply itself that's not complaining about the whole situation.
1: Interesting. I've I've never by chance never had my printer plugged in to the uh, UPS, even in the you know the just the non-battery capacity. Just just right. the way I just had things set up, and so I've never tried that. I did have my UPS fail on me earlier this year where it uh, basically, um, you know, it did ex- the opposite of what it's supposed to do, sure. right? You know, probably a half a second uh, power outage, you know, just a you know, flashing of the lights. All right. And, and the UPS just went, nope, and boom, down. I'm like, <laughs> you know, and which really pissed me off because, you know, I, there are other computers running here and, they were all like, "Oh, fine, no problem." Right. And and because the UPS said, "Nope, I'm going down," it took my computer with me. I'm like, "That's the opposite of what I wanted from you," you know. Right. So right. I I just came to the conclusion that it, it was just it was just a bad unit, but it was old. I mean, not old. It was maybe two years old. It should have still been fine. Right. But there was really not, it was not something I could return <laughs> or deal with. I just went and I said, "Nope," out to pasture, and got myself a new one. Right. Um, the, uh, the thing that <clears throat> it's possible may have happened, um, and it may be
0: true for you too, uh, is that, of course, the batteries in these things wear out, right? Yeah. They lose their ability to hold a charge, and certainly they lose their ability to feed enough power quickly enough to respond to things like power spikes or half-second power outages. Mm-hmm. But, 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 what I expect from the UPS is for it to tell me hey, you know what, your battery's kind of old or your battery's not performing or we do run periodic tests, that's part of what these things do. Every every 24 hours you can hear the thing click on for a little while, Um, which is great. Do that test. Tell me I need to replace the battery. I will replace the battery. But if you're not going to do that, if you're just going to fail because I happen to print something, or in your case, shut down because, yeah, power went away. Well, that was your point. Um, then, no, you you have failed the ultimate test. Uh, you had one job. and yeah, you <laughs> one job. You didn't had one it. job and you didn't do it. Um, so your life is forfeit in this
1: case. And that was a fancy one too. That was one that had a display and it told me all sorts of information about the bat, you know, the battery and, mm-hmm. you know, lots of details and it, you know, besides the two times, cause I didn't, I gave it two strikes, you know, the first oh, yeah. like yep, maybe that too. was a, a yep. fluke, but no, a month later it did the same thing. I mean, it was all systems. A okay. I'm, I'm working fine. And I'm like, no, you're not. Um, <laughs> So, you know, and I don't, I don't ask, but I actually have two UPSs uh, in my office at all times. Uh, one is, of course, connected to my computer and mm-hmm. one screen so that I can, if there's power failure, I can shut down right. gracefully. Right. The other is connected to my, uh, my DSL modem and my Wi-Fi. Right. And those two things actually don't draw nearly as much power as a computer, right. although my new Wi-Fi, I suspect, does. But, but they can stay on running off the battery for a while, right. um, which means that in a power failure, I, as long as the phone system is still up, I can right. still have internet. Sometimes that's true in a city sometimes it's not because sometimes your power failure is also the their phone fa- <laughs> yes yeah, their systems power, power yeah because they have the they have, uh, you know junction boxes and all that right. and mm-hmm. sometimes you get one and then followed by the other they've got maybe 5 or 10 minutes of power maybe they have their own ups running you don't know right. about or whatever so you're up but in general i'm pretty you know where i live we don't have Frequent power outages, which
0: I'm now, happy. Now, the irony, which was just—I mean, it, it cracked me up in a in a kind of a sad way. So, of course, um, I pull the 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 UPS from service. I just—I mean, it was my machine was down anyway, so fine. I'll just unplug everything, plug it directly into the wall for now, um, and you know, I got back to work and I was able to print. <laughs> ironically, right? Uh, but I then. Did what I usually do. I headed over to Amazon and searched for the the different model, the different manufacturer, and mm. it buy now. And of course, it' great. We're sending it to you. It'll be there on Wednesday. Mm. So on Wednesday, it turns out our neighbor had to have his transformer replaced. Um, long story, apparently it was leaking oil into the dirt. So they had to, this this is all underground wiring. So they had to go out there and pull the transformer. Anyway, as part of that process, uh, the, the power cut out. As in, boom, it was just all of a sudden it was off for the neighborhood. And as it turns out, I guess that wasn't an expected side effect of their work that they just failed to warn us about. But uh, the irony, of course, was that earlier that day I got a notice from Amazon saying, "Oh, sorry, your package has been delayed. It'll be there tomorrow." So my replacement uninterruptible power supply arrived the day after I needed it. You really needed it. Yep. Yeah. Um, but I have the same situation you have. Uh, it's not in the same room, but I have my uh, uh, my internet, uh, the router. The Wi-Fi, uh, that kind of stuff is in my basement. And yes, I have it on a UPS as well, specifically so that if the power goes down, I have internet for a while. And of course, I mean, like our laptops and our tablets and our phones, they all have their own power supply. So they're going to be working for a while um, after uh, you know, any kind of a power outage. So that gives me you know, some amount of connectivity. I found out that it actually lasted about an hour. Uh, to running, uh, in my case, uh, I think it's the, uh, uh, the, the router from the, uh, from the telco or from the, um, uh, the, cable company in this case, um, another box that they provide because I also get my telephone, my landline over cable, um, and then a, uh, a switch. I've got a, a gigabit switch, uh, that I happen to have plugged into all that as well. And those three devices, like I said, lasted about an hour. And that particular UPS is probably about the same vintage as the one that died. So it's probably um, up for replacement as well at some point. But, uh, question Do you, uh, does your UPS, the one you have your computer connected to, mm-hmm. do you also have the data line connected, the, U- the USB cable?
1: Uh, sometimes. <laughs> I I hate you know the thing is sometimes I will feel oh I only be connected because because Max will um, inherently you know add that to system preferences yes uh, matter of fact that's one of the most common uh, not uh, what people it's a it's a pretty common thing people will ask me uh, how okay there's this software my UPS came with and it's all Windows software right and it's supposed to do all this stuff for me right um, but how do, there's they don't have a piece of Mac software. And my answer is, did you connect it? Like, well, no, I don't have a piece. Connect it. And they connect it. And sure enough, under system preferences, there's a whole UPS thing that appears. And, you know, Apple's got that all just in the system software for all the major brands and UPSs and everything. Um, So I have connected in the past sometimes, but, you know, it takes up a whole uh, USB uh, port. And, (laughs) and, I mean, when it comes down to it, it's like. just work when you, when I need you to work and don't bother me the rest of the time is, is what I, uh, uh,
0: so obviously I'm, I'm running, this is, this is actually that new windows machine of mine. Uh, I connected up the cable and I did not need to install the software that comes with, or that's available for the power supply yeah. windows all of a sudden says, oh, you have a battery. I mean it treats it as if you were right. running with a laptop battery. Yeah, it's kind of it what doesn't have any, any of the true. nifty features about, you know, the condition of the battery or any of that kind of stuff. But at least says, Hey, you've got a battery and we'll learn about how long it's gonna last. And you know, if you're running on battery, we'll give you the options to uh, uh reduce power usage. I think uh, you know it gives you all the battery-related options yep. that let you maximize battery life and then shut down if it gets too low. Um, and then, yeah, I went ahead and installed the software that came with it, just because it gives you a little bit better window on what's going on. But yes, same thing. Just plug in the cable, and you'll get like eighty percent of what you're looking for, maybe ninety percent uh-huh. of what you care about. So, yep. And I had an extra USB port, so why not? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, so Apple, they're doing something that we kind of, I guess we kind of figured they were doing. They get accused of doing all the time, but this time they're kind of upfront about it.
1: Well, they told several, uh, over the years, you know, particularly for iPhones, uh, there's been the ability to track, say, if somebody steals your phone, you can do, you know, find my phone, And it will tell you, you know, where your phone is located if somebody takes it from you. Um, And that feature has been enhanced to make it harder to turn off, uh, harder to uh, wipe the phone and reuse it. And Mm -hmm. a few years ago, it got pretty much pretty near impossible to steal a phone and get away with it. Because if you steal an iPhone, you know, the person could track it, the person could shut it down, uh, and it becomes unusable to somebody else at least without, you know, not for parts, but, but, uh, you know, and it's Apple has said in the past, of course, that not only do they provide that to their customers, uh, you know, for their phone and it's on by default and everything, but of course the phones, when they're in the store, they've got that going on too. the models that are there and the ones that have not been sold Mm -hmm. to people as well. Um, but you know, it's not the kind of thing that, you know, you, you can test pretty easily. I mean, Apple just says, okay, we protect all our phones in a store. Somebody takes one, you know, shoplifts, for instance, or something. That It's really that easy to do in an Apple store for, with an iPhone. But if somebody shoplifts, uh, they're going to have a pretty useless phone. Well, it turn out, turns out, uh, world events in the last uh, few days uh, have, uh, there's been those uh, stores broken into uh, during some of the late night events. Uh, riots that have followed the uh, the protests uh, earlier in the day. So some of those stores broken into have been Apple stores, and some of those Apple stores have been cleaned out of iPhones. Um, and sure enough, those iPhones are useless. Um, when they're taken from the store, they become useless, and not only just regular useless, but they actually display a message if you turn them on. And the message basically says that the location information has been given to authorities, and the phone is useless, <laughs> and all this other stuff, um, which is you know exactly what's supposed to supposed to happen. Just that we really didn't have much proof. The the thing is that enough phones were stolen from Apple stores, and probably I'd have to say not just Apple stores, but I bet you a, a bunch of mobile phone stores too. If sure, I, yeah, um, the
0: third party oh, resellers that could. Yeah,
1: yeah, that there's enough stolen that you know you imagine if somebody steals one. In some way, they're not going to go and post a picture of the phone to their social media account saying, look, my stolen iPhone says this on it. But I guess enough for stolen over the last week that uh, somebody was uh, stupid enough to post a picture of their stolen iPhone uh, with the screen. <laughs> so, But that gives us a chance to actually see what it looks like when right. that happens. You know, So there's an, an, a, a link to an article here and that links to a really interesting Instagram thread. Um, with the original poster having posted this picture, which I, is almost like a second story here. Like I can't believe you would loot, steal an iPhone from an Apple store, and then turn it on and it says you're being tracked and all of that, and then post it to your Instagram account. Now, I understand it; and they're probably not using any real information for their Instagram account. It's probably an anonymous account, but still... That's pretty, you know, yeah. flagrant, you know, do, but I guess enough, you know, there's probably, you know, if there's hundreds or thousands of stolen iPhones uh, over the last week, one person doing it, you know, is
0: probably. It just takes one person stupid, stupid enough yeah, to do that. Yeah, it's always
1: going to be one out of a thousand that's now. going to say, oh, I'll post it. To, I'll get some Instagram likes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't get it. But anyway, it is interesting to see. So, you know, and this is a, uh, the, the effect of this, and I think we may have talked about this a long time ago on the show. The effect of this security technology is really not about this, like a, a thief with a phone. It's about protecting the phone that's in your pocket because the idea becomes that stealing an iPhone is kind of useless. You can't do anything with it, it's going to be bricked, right. dead. You can't use it. Uh, so the, the actual value of a stolen iPhone is way down. It is valuable as parts. Um, so you can go and probably sell it to somebody who's going to take it apart, take the screen, maybe the most valuable part right there. Uh, there's actually on the Instagram thread, there's people talking about that. You know, in, addition, in addition to people cheering the guy on. You know, there were both sides on this Instagram thing. Post more um,
0: pictures. Post a selfie. Yeah. Well, or no, it was more like
1: like if I would I would I would have taken AirPods instead of you know it was like really that's that's your response. But the the idea being that uh, somebody said, oh yeah, a screen's worth five hundred bucks. I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> you can get an iPhone. For, you can get a used iPhone for three hundred bucks. So right. screen's not worth five hundred bucks. But and then, and then of course you're you're far down the chain. If you're just trying to fence a stolen iPhone, you're probably more like in the ten or twenty dollar
0: exactly, range to
1: yep. get it to somebody who will then get it to somebody else who eventually gets it to a shop as parts as a screen that they could charge one hundred ninety nine dollars for somebody to install a new screen. Um, but it does protect your phone because it's just not a target of uh, you know for pickpockets. It's like, what's the point? There's a phone sticking out of the back of somebody's pocket. Um, you know, I'm doing a thousand a dollar crime for something I probably can't get more than 20 bucks from. And I'll probably be tracked, you know, a little bit. So it's a risky item to steal. Right. Uh, so, you know, so it's, it's interesting to see that. Of course, you know, with all those phones stolen and all the, the looting that went on, uh, it's doubtful that anybody will actually be caught. Um, I think the police have other things to deal with right now, but the, um,
0: but you're right. What is interesting about that though, is that it lets people know that this is possible. This could happen.
1: It Um, it does. Yeah. It gets out there. And also, I mean, it's kind of a warning thing. Like if if you're, if you're a pickpocket or somebody that just doesn't know about this and think, Hey, aren't iPhones expensive? Look, there's one sitting on a table and the person's not paying attention. I'll just swipe it. But now you you end up with that message, and now you're like, okay, message received. It's pointless for me to steal iPhones.
0: Right, right. Um, It's interesting because the same is actually um, similarly true of uh, Teslas because they have, I mean, they're in constant contact with the mothership. And if they get stolen, uh, which, A, is really difficult to begin with, uh, they're only valuable as parts. And even then, um, I think there's very little secondary market right now for Tesla parts. Um, It's one of those things where, yeah, the car is, regardless of how physically secure the car really is, whether you remember to lock it or not, although you don't have to remember walking away will lock it. uh, Even then, if somebody were to steal it, uh, the worst they could do is honestly um, damage it. Um, But it's not like they're going to get value out of it themselves. And now they know that, which means that it's just not that popular a car to steal. Can Teslas
1: even, like if somebody, well, I guess if somebody stole it, it just could be deactivated. They can't even drive it.
0: Correct. Uh, I think that's typically what ends up happening is the very first thing they do, they locate it because, of course, it's always tracking its location. um, And then they probably just shut it down. They may wait until it's not in motion just for safety. <laughs> not sake. on the,
1: in the interstate going like 75 miles an hour. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, uh, yeah, so that is kind of a – and I, I suspect that that's becoming more and more true for vehicles in general because more cars are slowly starting to roll out this whole always you're constantly connected concept. Where um, there was another car i don 't even remember which one it was tesla's unique right now in that they take software updates uh, periodically over the over the air, and there was another car that just announced like within the last month or so that they were going to be doing something like that. And it was like a mainstream manufacturer, like a Ford of some sort, one of the newer Fords. I could be wrong about the exact brand, but it was a surprising car, and it just it makes so much sense to be able to do that because I know that uh, even simple things like Uh, On my ten-year-old Sequoia, you know the 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 interface, the map is ten years old. The uh, uh, you know the data, the everything in there is ten years old. It's stuck in in 2010. Uh, Whereas uh, anything that can be updated over the air would be kind of cool to be able to do. So, anyway, cool. I thought it's funny because when you posted this article as as something we were going to talk about, I thought it was going to be um, more about. Uh, not tracking people who have stolen iPhones during the looting, but just tracking people during looting.
1: Oh yeah, no, I guess privacy kind of prevents that. I I'm not sure. We hope. <laughs> we I hope. Mean, I mean, well, and then then of course there's a thing. It's not hard to track people. I mean, you could just watch the news and right. You know, so uh, it was it wasn't hard to see where it, things were being looted. It was just a matter of, of manpower and. Uh, and the, you know, the situation. And also, you know, uh, probably in some cases, there's a analysis that, you know, of, of okay, what's it going to take to stop the looting at this particular store? And is it worth the cost of the insured merchandise inside? Right. You now at this moment, I know at least one person lost their life uh, defending a looted store, um, you know, a store that was being looted, wow. uh, you know, and I, you know, I'm sure no, no, uh, no amount of merchandise is, is worth that. Um, so, so there's a lot of factors like that. It's a, yep. it's a very technical issue. But onto onto actually uh, other uh, kind of happier things. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, uh, the uh, the last week, I got to experience my daughter's high school graduation. Oh, that's right. Uh, which we were constantly told over and over again uh, was the most unusual graduation ever, um, and it was. I mean, you know, I guess that's one way of putting it. It's like, oh, your graduation sucks, which, but it's unusual. <laughs> it sucks in a unique way, um, but yeah. So it was interesting. Uh, it was several parts. Uh, let's see. Part one was on Thursday. Uh, Thursday, we uh, decorated the car. Um, took the top off. We, we got a Jeep and uh, took the top off. Oh, that's the car. What,
0: that's what it was. Okay, I was yeah. I was looking at the. I saw a picture obviously on on Facebook and um, yeah, it was you were in a convertible with no top and I didn't think you had one of those. But then I'd forgotten that the uh, yeah the Jeep, yeah Jeepers So we went.
1: We decorated it with balloons and all that stuff. Our uh, senior got dressed up in cap and gown, which had been distributed the week before. Um, and you basically, uh, we arrived at the parking lot at our assigned time, our <laughs> block of time. Uh, you get in line, uh, then the line progresses. Getting in around, line, as in in the car, line of cars. Line. Yeah. Yes, yes. And then you, as you approached the spot somebody you know, approached us in a and a mask and uh confirmed what our name was because they didn't they didn't worry about everybody being in the perfect order they just wanted to know who you were right. you know and as long as you were in the same letter range you know they would have quick access to your uh diploma and such and then uh she got out of the car co- you know we pull up uh they open the door for her she gets out of the car uh there's a quick photo op uh, diploma is handed to her um, and all while the pump and circumstances playing over loudspeakers and every, you know people are clapping and all that stuff and get back in the car and you drive off <laughs> um, <laughs> still that's pretty cool it was pretty cool it took less than a minute i know because i had a camera rolling of course and it was 53 <laughs> seconds of okay. video yep yep so you know had that going um and then we went uh you know, but it, it turned out to be good not because of those fifty three seconds, but it was a reason for her to put on the cap and gown, for us to dress up a little bit. You know, mm-hmm. we didn't dress up any fancy, but I didn't put it like on a my typical T shirt and stuff. <laughs> and you know, at, right after that, there's plenty of space afterwards for everybody to pull over away from everyone else and the schools in the background. And then we took pictures of you know uh, of us. So we have those, you know, it's like it didn't occur to us otherwise to take those pictures that you would normally have at a regular graduation, Uh, went back home, did a cap throwing up in the air picture, some other pictures, (laughs) uh, things like that. And it was like, well, this was good. We had an excuse to actually have all these pictures taken and have all this done. And, uh, that was, so that was part one. Uh, And part two was last night, uh, which was Tuesday night. And that was a video, uh, program. I thought it was going to be live. I thought it was going to be a live broadcast, uh, you know, from individual people's homes and things like that, like a Zoom kind of thing. It wasn't. And probably for the best, uh, they actually recorded different things and somebody edited together in something that was uh, like an hour or 15 minutes and then uploaded it to Vimeo and YouTube um, and then let the parents know where it was located. And told us all that we needed to watch it at seven o'clock. Exactly. Um, So we had it earlier in the day. I was able to actually download it uh, because Vimeo has that option, Mm -hmm. download it and put it on my local network and stream it to the TV. So I didn't have to worry about internet streaming speeds or anything, uh, which was nice. And we started it at seven o'clock. We could have done it earlier because I had it in the afternoon, but we did it seven. So we were kind of watching, I guess with everybody else. (laughs) Um, And, you know, they they had some speeches by some of the kids. Uh, The best part, I thought, was they, they, uh, I'm not a particular fan of acapella, but the acapella group at the school did do one of those video collage sing uh things, sure, which showed, uh, you know, while it wasn't like my favorite thing in the world, it was like, well, there's effort that went into, you know, that group of kids, they went all out. And they said, we're going to do this. And they figured out how to do it with the software and, and each of them in their own homes doing their parts and they put it together. And I was like, good for you. That was the best part of the whole thing. Cause the rest of it was basically just people talking from their <laughs> living rooms. Uh, you know, the vice principal talking from his living room and right. things like that. The, uh, there were some notable alumni, uh, from the school, uh, you know, uh, her high schools had a few notable alumni over the years. So mm-hmm. they had a couple, two of them uh, give little speeches, which was nice from their, from their homes in different parts of the world. And, and then they did, you know, there was a long segment where they took all the senior photos from the yearbook and they put their names, at the bottom of the screen and uh, showed the picture. So it was kind of like walking, you know, in, in graduation. And, sure. and then at the end, it, you know, the vice pro- principal told everybody to, you know, do the tassel thing and then throw your (laughs) cap up in the air and all of that. But I mean, it was, it was definitely a unique experience. There were some advantages, Uh, you know, I, the arena where this normally would have been, Is notably one of the most uncomfortable places to sit for any length of time. (laughs) I've been to a (laughs) few times. It's like the old place. It's a place where, like, when there used to be a circus, the circus would come, and you know the indoor. You know that's always like the third tier. It's like not where the they play basketball and hockey, not where they used to play basketball and hockey, but like the arena that they built a long time ago, and nobody even remembers what it was originally for. You know, that's like where graduation would have been. So instead of sitting for You know, two hours there, we got to sit in our comfy chairs and sofas at home. Um, And then uh, also, you know, it was kind of nice because the three of us would not have been together during a normal graduation. Right. She would have been up there with her friends and not even with her friends. She would have been there alphabetically with two random people next to her that probably she, she wasn't actually friends with. And we would have been stuck back, you know in the bleachers. Yeah. In the bleachers. But here we're able to sit together and and watch it. So there were some advantages to it, but it did have the these two events did actually have the effect of at least feeling like there was a graduation. Well it like was I, a moment.
0: And that actually is is I think perhaps the most important part is that they did something, right? This 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 event has been marked somehow in a way that will be remembered. Uh hell it'll probably be remembered more than I remember my own graduation or maybe yeah. even you remember yours just because mm-hmm. it was something unique and different. So that's very cool. I really like I really like some of the choices they made. Although I have to admit, when you were saying that you were, you know, driving up to wherever the um, uh, diploma was going to be handed out, yeah. I was envisioning T-shirt cannon.
1: <laughs> is a diploma just and teacher shoot,
0: shoot the shoot the diploma at each at each appropriate person yeah,
1: yeah. no I, and unfortunately you know one of the the cool things is that the uh, the building the high school building for her high school is architecturally beautiful it's an old classic like gothic mm-hmm. building that is just amazing i can't imagine the high school i went to in philadelphia is architecturally nothing I mean I mean it was fine high school and all that stuff, but I mean the building is just I mean you look at it it's like could be high school, could be prison I don't know it's just a <laughs> building I mean really there was nothing remarkable about, about the building architecturally at all and I can't I don't know what they did back there, you know my alma mater but at least this was a beautiful backdrop you know with the big front steps and I mean it looks. It looks amazing. So, so that was that was kind of nice. Uh, and yeah. usually, the high school wouldn't have been involved in the graduation at all. It Would have been another place in the city. So um, maybe there's some advantages. I kept thinking too how, you know, the class of 2020, uh, they're like kind of all connected in this way. They yes. all have unusual graduations. And you know, 30 years from now, uh, if she runs into somebody and they make the comment that they graduated in 2020, there's like a kinship there. It yep. doesn't matter where they graduated. Right. They had something like this go on yep. and that will be the class of 2019. And hopefully the class of 2021 will not be like this. And it will just be these 2020 kids that will have this feeling of our, we're a little different. We're kind of like a brotherhood sisterhood.
0: I, I think the of, phrase is shared
1: trauma. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe. So. Anyway. That's well, very cool. It's very yeah, cool. speaking of cool, what what what's
0: uh... So, um to go completely off the tech rails here other than the yeah. fact that we probably wouldn't have done this otherwise. Um uh, for whatever reason We've been streaming a lot of TV. We've been watching a lot of random shows and and catching up on some things as the seasons end and as the new seasons start and so forth. But one of the things we got kind of sort of hooked on, as it turns out, is a genre I'd never heard of, and it's Nordic Noir. Hmm. Basically, these are uh, essentially uh, almost cop shows, murder mystery type shows, but they're set in different countries, and they're actually, I mean, they are a product of those other countries. Um, <clears throat> we started with the Valhalla murders, and I'm actually not sure which country that was filmed in. The one that I remember the most and really got hooked on was something called Border Town, which is filmed in Iceland. I'm sorry. Um, no, I got that backwards. It's um, Trapped that is filmed in Iceland. And we really enjoyed that, even though Uh, They weren't always speaking English. It was a it was uh, that one was a combination of English uh, because there are situations where they do, in fact, speak English normally um, and Icelandic with subtitles. Um, Border Town was set in Finland. We just finished that one last night, as a matter of fact. Um, That was three seasons where there a season is like eight or ten episodes. Uh, And uh, it was filmed in a specific town in Finland and includes, you know, Finnish and Russian and and all that kind of stuff. The interesting thing that we noticed, uh, Border Town, like I said, there were three seasons. The third season got released actually just three weeks ago. The first two seasons were dubbed. So you actually heard English even though they were speaking uh, Finnish. Oh. And, you know, that's fine. It's a little disconcerting, the first, the first you know, episode or two, but you kind of sort of get into the groove and it, it kind of sort of makes sense. The third season, this was on uh, Netflix, and they elected to release the season – Without the dubbing being present, uh, because of COVID nineteen, basically the, the the disclaimer said something about wanting to protect their voice talent or whatever. Which fine, you know what? I actually liked hearing the native language with subtitles better. It somehow felt more authentic. Uh. I have no idea how closely the subtitles matched because I've seen, certainly seen that in cases where I know both languages, right? I've seen um, uh, Dutch shows dubbed in English or no English shows dubbed in Dutch where, yeah, it's kind of sort of the idea, but no, <laughs> right? Um, but so it, the, but the stories made sense and it was just, it felt so much more natural to hear the actual actor's, um, you know say their lines in their native language it was interesting to hear the different languages themselves being spoken which is not something we hear very often especially something like Finnish which I actually had never heard before uh, there were conversations happening in Russian as well because it's a border town with Russia and uh, you know so you could actually hear the difference in the languages and come to recognize when somebody's speaking Russian over Finnish anyway I just we, we've been enjoying that that. That set of um, of shows, uh, they actually do treat uh, uh, things a little bit differently than American TV does in a very refreshing way. It's 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 a little bit more um, real, for lack of a better term. Uh, just like I said, we really enjoyed it. The pacing was different. Uh, you know, they, they, of course, since it was on Netflix, we weren't interrupted every fifteen minutes with commercials. Um, really enjoyed it. So the three shows that we ended up watching were uh, the Valhalla Murders. Uh, trapped in Iceland and then border town in Finland. And I've got IMDb links that I'll be including in the, in the show notes.
1: Excellent. Yeah. I really enjoyed the uh, series um, uh, occupied, which is Norwegian, um, but involves uh, Norway being occupied by Russia. So uh, it's, I'd say one third in Norwegian, one third in Russian and one third in English, Right. because whenever there are characters that don't speak, you know, they both don't speak uh, Norwegian or Russian English. It becomes the common language, which and then find, a lot of, yeah. I
0: find that fascinating. It's very true. I mean, in, in Holland, of course, the, that's very common because most people outside of Holland don't speak Dutch. So the English becomes the common language. The, the ironic statement that I absolutely love is that English has become the lingua franca. Yeah. Which when you think about it, lingua franca is French. <laughs> I, I think French was going to be the lingua franca and it never happened.
1: Yeah, or Esperanto. Um <laughs> yeah, I remember that. I I uh, a story for another day, but I visited the there's an Esperanto muse- museum that I visited uh two summers ago in Europe. Anyway, the um I find it interesting too that after watching that show, Occupied, uh, all three seasons, uh, and one third in each language, so there's subtitles or subtitles or just English. Right. Um, I bet you I can't, and neither can anybody else who only speaks English like me. Uh, tell you which scene is in which. Like, you know, if I remember a scene of something that happened in there, I couldn't tell you whether that scene was in Norwegian, Russian. Hmm or English now from my memory because it just doesn't stick in your memory. Was I reading right. subtitles? Were they talking English? I don't I I couldn't tell you. I know what they said. Right. But I and I know what happened, but right. I wouldn't be able to go and, and accurately tell you that because I, it doesn't seem my brain remembers that detail. Well, it, tells it, was, you,
0: it tells you that the story is more important. It yeah. was more was more interesting than a detail. Exactly
1: exactly um my I, I have a tv uh, thing to mention too um i had mentioned uh, a few months ago about apple tv's uh apple tv plus's mythic quest show which was an eight episode uh sitcom about a game development studio that was definitely worth seeing on apple tv plus uh they went and put together a pandemic episode. Um, <laughs> They were done contractually done with their first season, you know, uh, contracted for their second season, you know, for whenever that would be next year or whatever. Uh, but the, uh, maker of that show, uh, had this idea to put together an episode, put it together using, uh, you know, social distancing, everybody doing things at home, um, they actually, of course, it was nice to have Apple as the the ultimate producer because Apple was able to send out iPhones to everybody, oh, right? Right. Uh, you know, and all, <laughs> all, everything they need. Matter of fact, I believe uh, there was. I saw an interview where they they shipped various different iPhones to different cast members uh, to their homes, and so they could shoot in f- uh, probably four K. I would imagine, mm-hmm. and that instead of trying to transmit all of that. Um, you know, would you think, oh, wait, what? It was like three minutes worth of material for each character? No, three minutes of material is probably like two hours worth of, you know, different takes and different right. things, things that were cut and all that. So they basically filled up their iPhones with their parts of the script and doing the things that they were supposed to do, and then they shipped them back. They even had a. Even had like a sanit- sanitation type of uh, thing. You know, the iPhones were shipped back, sanitized, given to editor and then shipped back to editors and the you know, and all this stuff. Anyway, the whole show was put together. And unlike other shows that have come out and put together a special episode, um, this one wasn't just all like, oh, this is a unique situation. Let's make fun of it. You know, oh, we're all on a Zoom call. You know, what are the funny things about Zoom calls? Which are fine. You know, it's fine to have those and laugh at, Kind of our current situation a little bit, but Mythic Quest this episode actually had some heart to it, um, and I had heard that in fact uh, you know Apple uh, was going to make it the episode that they were going to submit to the Emmys, not one of the regular season. Oh, episodes. really? Wow. Yeah, because and I, and I, when I watched it, I was like, wow, they really hit. There's a there's a storyline there that hits on an emotional thing that that was interesting because. We're all part of it, right. you know. Before, I was watching a sitcom about a game development studio. I'm not, I don't work for a game development studio. I don't. These people aren't even real. But now, suddenly, they're in the real world, and they're dealing with the same things that I'm dealing with. And there's a storyline about that. Right. And so it, it actually hit me harder than some of the other stuff I've seen. Even though it's just a half-hour sitcom, it was really well done. So anyway, check out that special episode of Mythic Quest on Apple TV Plus if you've got it.
0: Cool. Cool. Well, let's see, where do we want to send people this week? <clears throat> yeah. I would like everybody <laughs> to have a look at how can I securely delete everything except the operating system. It's askleo.com slash 4716. It's a common request. And the short answer is you can't. Um, the, the scary, the, you can get close, and how close you need to get depends on your situation but it is something that uh people probably should be aware of especially especially when they think about uh repurposing a machine giving a machine away or if they pick up a secondhand machine
1: right yeah usually on a mac you wipe and reinstall the system and then just don't go any further than that but i'm actually curious because I've never tried this, I don't know if you know this, but macOS Catalina introduced the feature where you actually run the system on a read-only volume. Um, So the operating system is on one volume of your drive, whether you like it or not, Mm -hmm. and it's Mm -hmm. read-only. And everything else, your files, your applications, everything else is on the other volume. They don't appear to be on two separate volumes, but if you start to dig... You'll find it. Now I'm curious. What happens if I take a Mac and do delete, completely erase that second volume, but don't erase the system volume? I would assume it just boots and is exactly what you described. That it is I hope. a yeah 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 that's very cool. Uh, I mean, because you're missing, there'd be no user account, right? Right. So it would be it would not quite know what to, to boot to. I would assume it would boot to some sort of mode where, you know, have you initialize a user account?
0: I wonder if. Um, If, if I were, I'm not Apple, but if I were doing this, uh, an empty user partition, which is Mm -hmm. essentially what we're talking about, uh, would be my signal that, oh yeah, this is a new machine. Let's start from scratch.
1: Yeah. I don't know Uh, if I had a spare Mac around, (laughs) uh, something, you don't have two or three of them. Well, I, you know, I mean, I could just take my laptop here and try it. Uh, but then I'd have to you know, put my apps back on it and yep. stuff like afterwards. I just, I don't know. Too late. This is,
0: this is, this is really ironic because I, in fact, do have a spare Mac.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Um, my thing I want to, I want to point is I have a, a video uh, called 10 creative uses for the Clips app on your iPhone. And of course, most iPhone users I would think would say, what's the Clips app? <laughs> uh, and the Clips app is actually an Apple app that Apple, you know, you get for free. Mm-hmm. Um and it does all this cool stuff. And I've done several videos on it. And each time I do a video on it, the main reaction I get from people is I didn't know that app even existed. That's really cool. Uh <laughs> it you know allows you to build slideshows, do funny things with pictures and videos and all sorts of things, and then you know, share them just with other people in all sorts of interesting ways. So um anyway, check that video out at my site. We'll have a link. Awesome. Awesome. All righty. Well, I think that
0: pretty much wraps us up for this week. Yep. The show notes for this week are at tehpodcast.com slash teh101. Oh, by the way, the Silly Millimeter, it was a cigarette commercial. Back in the day, all these cigarettes were 100 mil, or actually these long cigarettes were 100 millimeters long. One of them, and I f- honestly, I forget the brand. They decided to differentiate themselves in the market. By adding a millimeter. Go figure.
1: And, anyway. and I, think, I think the ad, when I looked it up, uh, after, you know, after you mentioned it, I looked it up, uh, the ad said, we're one better. I think it <laughs> was one of the ads. Sure, <laughs> which, that makes which sense. For, for, for back then, I thought, well, that's more of a modern thing to say, but that, that was their ad,
0: yeah. Anyway, if you've got a comment or a question for us, hit us up on Facebook and Twitter at The TEH Podcast or leave a comment in the show notes page. As always, thanks for listening and we will see you here again next week. Bye-bye. Bye.